Well, several years ago now, I woke up one morning. And when I woke up, I had this kind of annoying, low-grade pain in my lower back that was kind of just radiating around my body. And I never felt that before. And instinctively, I thought I probably slept on my back wrong and I've got some kind of kink or cramp. Uh, And so I just kind of started wiggling around, you know, stretching, hoping it would get better. But within 30 minutes, the pain had gotten so intense that I was down on all fours in our bedroom telling Sue, I think I'm going to die. I think something has exploded inside of me. I need help. And she, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. Carry me downstairs or something. Get me out. I mean, I was just dying. Within another 30 minutes, I was literally curled up in a fetal position on the floor, could not talk, could not think. I, I couldn't do anything. Well, eventually, Sue, having a, a, a keen gift for the obvious, uh, called some friends and said, I need help. We need to get Sam to the emergency. He can't even talk anymore. He's crying. He's in pain. So our friends came and, and literally carried me out to their car and took me to the hospital while I was there, uh, you know, they started examining me and stuff. I said, you know, hey, just give me something for the pain. Just, you know, stick me with a needle or something. But they couldn't because they didn't know what was wrong yet. Well, eventually, after several different kinds of tests and about 45 minutes of agony on one of those metal tables, they discovered that the source of my problem was a kidney stone. And the doctor came in to describe to me what was happening to me. And he said, something is malfunctioning in your body and you've been creating these little pieces of calcium. And he said, what you've been experiencing is pain from a kidney stone about the size of a pencil point. And I said, that can't be. I mean, it felt like a Mack truck was going through my body, you know. And he said, no, it's just a little tiny piece of calcium the size of a pencil point. He said, it's kind of like a little tiny pea with razor blades on it being pushed through a piece of spaghetti. Oh, okay, now I get it. Now I know why I felt like I did. That was an incredibly painful experience. And what was amazing was how just one little tiny thing going wrong in your body could absolutely debilitate you. Something the size of a pencil point going through your body and you are on the floor, can't talk, can't stand, can't think. It's amazing how God has created the human body. All of the parts have always got to be working together. And if just the slightest part of the body isn't functioning effectively, the rest of the body can be impacted profoundly. You know, one of the things I'm convinced of today is that there are many local congregations that are suffering from a severe case of spiritual kidney stones. There are too many churches today that are not operating effectively as a whole body, operating as the powerful, unstoppable body of Jesus Christ that he said the gates of hell could not stop. And yet there are so many churches that are not functioning at full effectiveness. And I'm convinced one of the reasons is because there are different parts of the body that don't know what their role is or don't know what they're supposed to do or they're malfunctioning or dysfunctional. And as a result, the entire body is impacted. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul said, that we are the body of Christ on earth right now. 
Some of us might be hands. Some of us might be feet. Some of us might be mouths. Some of us might be, you know, fingers. But we're all different members of the body. And we're all absolutely essential if we're going to do what God has called us as a body to do. And yet, oftentimes, we hear the rule that 80 or 8, 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. And then we wonder why the church isn't growing or why we're not reaching our community or why we're not doing all the things that we think a church should be doing. See, we've got to recognize that every single one of us that knows Jesus Christ is a part of the body of Christ, not just in this local congregation, but also in the universal body of Christ. Just as some of us might be hands and feet and legs and fingers here at Wyzetta, I believe that local congregations serve the same function in the universal body of Christ, that maybe we're corporately as a congregation, a foot or a hand or a mouth in the universal body of Christ. But all taken together, we comprise the universal body of Christ. And all it takes in a church is one or two of the parts not doing what they were created and intended and placed in the body to do. And we all experience the results. So what exactly will it take for the body here at Wyzetta to be the effective, powerful, unstoppable body of Jesus Christ that he's designed us and gifted us and called us to be? I mean, how can each of us effectively do the part that we've been created to do? Well, I'd like you to turn this morning to Ephesians chapter four again. This morning, we're going to be looking at verses seven through 16, because that's exactly what Paul talks about in this portion of Scripture. Ephesians four, seven through 16. It's very interesting. Paul, remember, in verses one through six of chapter four, began talking about the practice of the body by addressing the whole subject of unity. And that we need to pursue the unity of the body by living a life worthy of our calling. And we live a life that kind of brings everything into balance with who we are spiritually by by being humble and gentle and patient and recognizing that we're one body. And then immediately after talking about unity, Paul in in chapter in chapter four, verse seven says, but. He's making a contrast now in spite of the incredible oneness and unity of the body. There is an amazing uh, kind of diversity in the same body. Look what he says here in verse seven. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Notice how he ends in verse six. He says, you know, there's one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then immediately, but. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ from him. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, in this amazing passage, Paul really shares two responsibilities that all of us here this morning need to understand. And there are two responsibilities that all of us will fill in one way or another. And we'll need to identify this morning which role uh, do I fit in? Which is my responsibility as a member of Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church? But the first responsibility that each one of us has here at the church is we've got to recognize our roles. We've got to recognize our roles in the body of Christ. Because whenever there's confusion of roles, it'll lead to a church that's ineffective. Instead of working together, you know, like a finely tuned athlete and one body moving uh, together, we end up being a dysfunctional body where we're actually working against one another, uh, like a a sick kind of body. And and look at what Paul says here uh, when it comes to roles in verse 7 and then again in verses 11 and 13. Now listen very carefully here. He says, But to each one of us, grace, and that root word for grace is the same word for gift, uh, charism. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now jump down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, Paul says there really are two primary roles here. And the first role that we need to recognize is the role uh, of the pastors and elders of the church. Those who have been gifted and called to be spiritual leaders in the church. And that's not just necessarily the ones that have the privilege of doing it full time and be paid. But some of you are spiritual leaders. Maybe some of you are spiritual leaders who haven't recognized it yet, who haven't discovered your gifts and, and really tapped into what God wants you to do. But first of all, we need to understand the role of the pastors and the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church. Now, for some of us, have you ever seen one of those those circus performers or one of those kind of, you know, nightclub performers who spins plates on a stick, you know, and and he gets about 10 or 11 of them going. He starts one. He gets it going, you know, and the music, you know, and then runs to the next one and gets it going and then to the next one. By the time he gets to number 10 and gets it going, number one is almost stopped. And so he runs back here and gets it going and just keeps doing this over and over again. Sometimes I think that's what people think the role of pastors and spiritual leaders is to do all the ministries of the church. To keep all of the programs spinning, to keep all of the people happy, to keep everyone visited. And that's what we're paid for, after all, is to do all that stuff. But you see, that's not what Paul says the role of spiritual leaders are. 
if that were the case, uh, the church could never go anywhere or accomplish anything of significance for Christ. It defies the whole definition of a body. Paul says here that the role of pastors and teachers, it's what? To equip the saints for works of service. You see, it's the leaders of the church, the spiritual leaders of the church, whose primary function is to equip the members of the body for works of spiritual service, not to do everything. You see, it's not like the church says, well, we don't want to visit and we don't want to evangelize and we don't want to be involved in music and we don't want to do this. So let's hire someone to do it and they can serve us and we'll be their boss and tell them what to do. It's not how it works in the church. You see, pastors are called to equip so that we can all discover our gifts, so we can all find the place that God uniquely has created us to fill and then find incredible joy and fulfillment and passion by finding the perfect place God has for us and and living as effective members of this greater body. It's interesting, when Paul uses the word uh, that pastors and leaders are to equip The saints, that word equip, comes from a a fishing terminology and it refers to a fishing net that's in disrepair and repairing it so that it actually catches fish. So there's not big holes in the net that fish just end up swimming right through. And Paul said that spiritual leaders, pastors, teachers, others, elders are responsible to continually be repairing that net, making sure there aren't big holes in it that the fish are constantly swimming through. If you think about it, if only 20% of the church is doing anything in terms of spiritual ministry, in terms of exercising their gifts, it's going to be a very, very poorly functioning body. Imagine if just 20% of your physical body was working at any given point of time. Well, you probably wouldn't even be alive. You'd be dead. And that's why two-thirds of all evangelical churches in America are either declining or plateaued and not growing. Because in two-thirds of all churches, 20% of the members of the body are exercising their gifts and serving Christ in the community and doing what they've been called to do. You see, it's our role um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In fact, when I was a senior pastor at my last church, one of, the, one of our mottos was, we cannot afford to hire staff or pastors to do ministry. We can't afford that. We only hire pastors who can equip others to do ministry, who can multiply themselves and disciple others, just like Jesus did. And so we've got to have that mentality. I mean, think about it. What are your expectations right now for the future pastor of Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church? Are you sitting back going, boy, I sure can't wait till the pastor gets here so we can stop doing all this stuff. You know, when the pastor gets here, finally, everything will be in place and then things will start happening. Well, if that's the way you're looking at it, you're going to be very, very disappointed. And so will the pastor. You see, though, you should be doing as a church Everything that you could be doing right now, you don't have to have a senior pastor. All of us should know our gifts and be functioning so that we're operating under full steam. And then we have a spiritual leader come in that continues to equip and encourage, 
fine tuned, all that kind of thing. So we're all working together. And by the way, the pastor has a role as a member of the body to do what he's supposed to do as well. But there's a second role. And that is we need to understand the congregation's role. We've kind of been talking about that a little bit, but we've got to be active in ministry. We've got to understand the spiritual leader's role, pastors, teachers, elders. We've got to understand the congregation's role so that we can all work together. Do you realize this morning that there are some of you out there that God has gifted and God has created who will be better public speakers than I ever could be on my best day? But you've got to be trained and you've got to be equipped. There are some of you who would be fantastic counselors and God is gifted with mercy and empathy and service and caring. But you've got to be equipped. You've got to recognize that gift and that strength and how God has wired you. There are some of you that could be incredible artists or musicians or teachers, whether it's adult or children. Some of you out there are elders in waiting that God has gifted and passion for spiritual leadership. And it's the, the staff's role, the, the pastor's and spiritual leader's role to help uncover that and equip that so that we can all begin working together. And look what Paul says happens when that is working and functioning as God designed it. Look at the very end or uh, at 12, the second half of verse 12. Paul says, well, I'll start at the beginning of verse 12. He says to equip his people for worship service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. One of the ways we become a whole and functioning body is by all of us doing our part. And there is no other way. There is no secret formula. There is no silver bullet. There's not some pastor that's going to come in and just all of a sudden make this the church it's supposed to be. It's all of us working together doing what God has called us to do, not only in these four walls, but also in the community and the world. And then we'll be amazed at what we see God beginning to do. But once we understand our roles and understand it's not just the pastors and elders that have to do it all, but we bear responsibility too, then we need to understand we all have a responsibility to grow to maturity. We all need to take responsibility for growing to maturity. Look what Paul says in verses 14 through 16. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, Paul says here really that there are three ways that each of us should be growing to maturity. And the first wave is that we should be grounded in the truth. We should be grounded in the truth. Look what Paul says. He says, then you'll no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. But you'll know what the truth is and you're not going to be susceptible to all these different various doctrines and all the different things that are kind of passed around. You won't be spiritual infants, but there'll be a measure of maturity because you're grounded in the truth. 
You know, what is it that characterizes infants? Well, they scream a lot. They cry a lot. They need to be looked after and they need to have things wiped and taken care of. They need to have their clothes changed. And you always know when they want something. Why? Because they cry and scream. And if they don't get it, they kick and all kinds of different things. Uh, they're infants. And as infants grow when they're small children, we're very careful who we allow to teach children because they're so susceptible to, you know, to untruths. You know, you tell a little kid, you know, that you know, anything and they're going to believe it. If you're a credible adult, when they're small, they just think, OK, well, they know what they're talking about. They're just kind of can be you know, manipulated so easily. And, you know, when people are immature in their faith, that's exactly how they act, how they act. Often very selfish. It's all about me. They easily get caught up in theological you know, arguments and debates. And, you know, it's the new Christians that are always the first thing they want to talk about, learn about is the end times. You know, I'm going to know the end times and I'll tell you what's going to happen and the rapture and all of that kind of thing. And sometimes they get caught up in predestination and it's all those kind of intriguing things. But they can just be tossed back and forth by all of these different doctrines rather than being grounded in the truth, knowing what you believe, moving towards maturity in the faith. And oftentimes, you know, when there's spiritual infants, it can create all kinds of challenges and problems. And so we've got to make sure that we're grounded in the truth. You know, the second way that we can grow to maturity is be conformed to the image of Christ. Look what Paul says in verse 15. He says, instead of just being manipulated and caught up in all of these controversies and arguments and selfishness, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. We need to constantly be conforming to Christ. Reading the scriptures, reading the gospels, understanding how Jesus lived and loved and how he acted and then conforming our life to that by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. One of the ways we grow to maturity is not only being grounded in the truth, but conforming our lives and our practice to the life and the practice of Christ. And then finally, a third way that we grow to maturity, Paul says, is by being working members of the body. A part of maturity is getting involved and doing your part. That's how we grow to maturity. And he says that in verse 16. He says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, part of growing to maturity in Christ is Knowing your spiritual gifts, understanding your passions and how God has wired you, beginning to develop those and use those in service to the body. Do you realize you cannot become spiritually mature in Christ without that happening? You cannot be fully conformed to the image of Christ without knowing what God has called you to do, how he's gifted you spiritually with spiritual gifts. And then exercising them to his glory in the body of Christ is just not possible. It's like an infant never learning how to walk 
or an infant who grows up and never learns to feed themselves or to do any of those things for themselves. Can you imagine a 21 year old man still being dressed by his mother? You know, still being spoon fed. If you went to a restaurant and saw a 21 year old with a bib on and mommy going, come on now, here comes a bee from under the barn. You know, you go, wow, something's wrong there. And yet oftentimes in the church, as individual members of the church, that's exactly what's happening. The only spiritual food some Christians get is right here. They're not feeding themselves. They're not taking care of themselves. They're not you know, helping to feed the rest of the, the newborns in the flock. We've got to grow to maturity by being grounded in the truth, conforming our lives to the life of Christ, and then becoming working members of the body. Notice what Paul says, that he says that from him whom the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, every joint is needed and necessary, and then it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, let me ask you, do you know what your part is here at Wyzetta Evangelical Free Church? Do you know with clarity how God has gifted you spiritually? Do you have the gift of teaching? Do you have the gift of encouragement or exhortation or mercy or helps or hospitality? Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know what your strengths are? How God has kind of hardwired you? Because until you know that, you don't know how you should be equipped and you don't really know where you fit into the body. And all the rest of the body suffers loss When you're not doing your part, we need you. We want you. The body needs every single ligament and joint to work together to build itself up by every member doing its part. You know, several years ago, again, I I had a 1981 Buick that was uh, something that, that I got really on the cheap, and that's why I was driving it. I uh, had over 100,000 miles on it, but I'll tell you, it was a beauty on the outside. It had been a salesman's car and all highway miles, and I thought, this is going to last for a little while. And uh, I was out driving it one day in the rain, uh, I mean a torrential downpour, and all of a sudden, at an intersection, it just stopped. Just stopped. And uh, I thought, what in the world is going on here? I'm not a master mechanic or anything. I can hardly change the oil uh, in a car. And uh, so I... Looked under the hood and, well, looks the same as when I left. I don't, I don't see anything wrong, you know. You know, the tires were all still inflated and it looked real nice on the outside. It just wasn't moving. It wasn't, the engine wasn't going. And so I immediately called my dad, who's a great mechanic. I said, Dad, I don't know what happened to the Buick. It's just stopped. And he asked me some questions about it, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, it sounds to me like it's a thermostat. I said, what's a thermostat? He said, well, it's a little tiny thing that kind of goes with the radiator and stuff that regulates heat and all that. I said, Dad, I mean, the car's not moving. It can't be a little tiny thing like that. And he said, well, sounds like it to me. Well, once I had it towed and and we got it checked out, sure enough, a $3 thermostat was what, you know, stopped the Buick in its tracks. Just that one little part of all the thousands and thousands of parts in that car When it wasn't working, the whole thing wasn't working. You know, I wonder how many thermostats aren't working in our local churches today. And as a result, churches aren't moving and growing and doing the things that God has called them to do. I mean, think about it. You think God intended the local church of Jesus Christ not to grow? 
not to be uh, moving out into the community and making a difference? Is that God's design that we would have to just fight and, you know, trying to somehow trick people into the building, you know, give away lottery tickets just to get them in here? God has designed the church to spontaneously grow and add people to the body of Christ. And the only thing we can ask is, why isn't that happening? Is it God's fault? Is God somehow deficient? Or maybe somehow we're not following his instructions. We're not doing church, being church the way God created us to be. And we need to ask ourselves, what role am I playing? You know, I want to encourage you to think about it this morning. You know, how are you growing to maturity right now? You know, are you actively grounding yourself in the truth of God? Are you actively on a daily basis consciously conforming your life to the life and the practice of Jesus Christ? Are we working members of the body? Do we understand the roles of the pastor? Do we understand the roles of the people in the congregation and how we all work together as one beautiful, unstoppable body for Jesus Christ? I think now during an interim period of time, that's a good question for all of us to ask. So that when a new pastor comes, they're not just immediately overwhelmed with all of these unrealistic expectations. But we let them know that we're all partners together. And pastor, we don't expect you to do it all. But we really expect you to equip us to do what we've been called to do and to help us do what we've been called to do. Let me share this as an action step this morning. Just one action step. And that is this week. Answer the question. What is your role in the body of Christ? Not just why evangelical free church, although that's a place to start. But what is your role in the body of Christ? What are your spiritual gifts? Do you know that with clarity and certainty? If not, you've got to find out because you will never grow to maturity in Christ until you know what your gifts are and the role that you're called to play in the body of Jesus Christ. It's not optional. It's not something we get to decide. Yeah, I'll serve. No, I'm not going to serve. We all have got to serve, not necessarily just in these four walls. But maybe in our neighborhood, at our workplace, at some community organization, at a food bank or whatever it is that we feel God has called and gifted us to do. We've got to understand that and get busy doing it. You know, there's a great book I would highly recommend. It's also it's called Now Discover Your Strengths. Now Discover Your Strengths. And in the back of that, in the dust cover, there's a code that you can go on a website and take a test and it will kind of give you your top five strengths. And how those strengths are described is their strengths that you're kind of born with, how God has kind of hardwired you as a person. And you can gain great insight into who you are by doing something like that. And then you will find that the gifts that God has given you very often overlap how he's created you and the passions that he's given you. If you need to talk to a pastor, talk to one of the pastoral staff or one of the elders and say, you know, I really want to find out how I'm gifted. I want to find out how I'm supposed to serve. I don't want to just be a warm body filling an empty slot in the church. I want to be serving my divine purpose and how God made me and why he brought me into the body. You know, I'm sure that we've all heard the old adage, especially us guys, uh, when all else fails, read the directions. 
Well, I think for many of us as churches, that's kind of where we're at. When all else fails, we try everything we can, marketing the church, doing this, doing that, building buildings, and we still don't see the kind of congregational growth and ministry that we long for. When all else fails, maybe we need to read the directions again. And the directions involve understanding our roles and then growing to maturity so that the whole body grows in unity, grows into the head, Jesus Christ, and then functions effectively as the unstoppable, powerful body of Jesus Christ on earth. Let's pray that that would happen in us and among us here at Wyzetta. Father, we pray that you would enable us, that you would empower us to become the unstoppable body of Jesus Christ on earth. Father, I pray that we would not only understand our roles, that we would aggressively fill our roles. Father, I pray that all of us would take seriously the mandate we've been given in your word to grow to maturity in Christ, to, to become complete in Christ. Father, the body desperately needs all of its ligaments, all of its members working together. Make that happen here, we pray. And we will give you glory in Christ's name.